Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and we are in the season of Advent in preparation for the coming of the Christ child into the world. Woohoo! We invite you to join us as we celebrate and explore this mystery, the greatest gift that God gave for the world. We've got a seat for you. Come on in. first scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Job, chapter 14, verses 7 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. For there is a hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth, and its stump dies in the ground, yet at the scent of water it will bud, and put forth branches like a young plant. But mortals die and are laid low. Humans expire. And where are they? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so mortals lie down and do not rise again. Until the heavens are no more, they will not awake or be roused out of their sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If mortals die, will they live again? All the days of my service I would wait until my release should come. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands, for then you would not number my steps. You would not keep watch over my sin. My transgression would be sealed up in a bag and you would cover over my iniquity. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from Matthew's gospel. It is familiar territory. We are a week away from Christmas. It is time and we are there. But I want you to hear it again with fresh ears. I want you to hear what God is saying to us from a story that we have heard before. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what had been spoken By the Lord through the prophet, look, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations to her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a few years ago, we started spending Thanksgiving with some friends of ours that we have been friends with since Vicki and I started ministry in 1999. That was our first call at First Presbyterian in Morganton, North Carolina. And these were three young families. We were three young, one of the three at the time, no kids or little kids. And we have known each other for some time. Well, the last few years, one of these families has hosted, they now live in Beaufort, South Carolina. So we go and we spend our Thanksgiving there as we did again this year. One of the things one of their daughters introduced us to is something some of you I know love and appreciate and some of you really don't. It is the phenomenon of the Hallmark Christmas movie or the Lifetime Christmas movie. It doesn't take but one or two to notice there's a pattern. It is simplistic in nature. There is not very much to convolute the story. It is simple, it is clear. Usually it starts off with our main character, male or female adult, and often they start in a city in New York or LA Often they're engaged or dating to someone we don't like and we know that's not gonna last. And somehow they have some connection with a small town in a perfect, beautiful Christmas city and they go back to see their family or to the inn that their family used to run or the hardware store or the bakery and they go back and they wind up finding someone who maybe had always been there since their childhood someone that they knew we should be with, if only it could be. And at the great snow event, the ball, the pageant, the whatever at the end of the show, they finally will admit their love for each other and in the snow they kiss. (laughs) So sweet. Everyone is the same, everyone. So much so, that together for a gift for that same daughter, we put together, well, this is off the internet, which you can all go, and I know you will now. This is bad Christmas movie bingo. We had it, we laminated it, so you could do dry erase on it as everybody sits and we go through, and often you're screaming at them, you're telling them things that is, are kind of ridiculous, but let me, let me give you some of the squares. Crying in the kitchen, Terrible outfit, Christmas festival or competition, mention that. Flirty baking, bad acting is the free space in the middle. Oh look, a small town is one of the corners. Someone says Christmas miracle. Small business is in trouble. Large corporation tries to ruin Christmas. Awkward kissing, fantastic. 
This story, this Christmas story, is very different from the perfect Hallmark story. Why did we watch that? Well, there's a simplicity to it. We know how it's going to turn out. We know that it's shallow, and yet it is innocent, and it is sweet, and it is pure, and it is wrapped up in Hollywood bow niceness. And we crave some of that because that's what we often do not have in our lives. We want that simplicity. We want to be in a beautiful small town where we smell the fresh baking and the snow is falling. All the relationships are perfect and everything works out. Anybody's life like that? Anybody? Just one of us? No. This story couldn't be, oh good, I'm so glad, I'm happy. This story couldn't be more opposite than that. If you're going to make up a story about a fake Messiah who comes into the world, this is not the way you're going to do it. Because it's scandalous. For those in that time, they would never have thought to make Mary pregnant the way that she was from the Holy Spirit and not Joseph in the middle of their process of becoming a new family. And then Jesus born in what palace? Amongst what royalty? Well, we have the Magi, the, the wise men later that will come. But in a stable or a guest house where the animals are, and you put Jesus in the animal trough, the cows and the sheep look over and say, why is there a baby in my food bowl? And there's Jesus, that's what a manger is. It's a food bowl for the animals. It fit perfect for little baby Jesus, put him right in. What's he doing there? None of that makes sense in that world if you are trying to inspire a messianic tale. Because it is messy. It is not Hallmark, beautiful Christmas bow wrapped up. Mary and Joseph do not kiss under the perfect starry event after the Bethlehem Christmas pageant. It's kind of a mess. Mary and Joseph were struggling with what happened to them. What now, angel of the Lord, Mary would have said? You're gonna, you're gonna do what? And I'm gonna have what? And I, I'm what? And then Joseph, oh, already betrothed. And in that time, betrothal was seen as the covenant, the contract of marriage already taking place. It's very different from our understanding that Sometimes we look at the engagement as, well, if it doesn't work, we break it off, we go our separate ways. Once you're betrothed, you would have already paid the bride gift to the family. You would already be considered married. It just hasn't had the ceremony or in the proper place to do that. But you are considered a couple and married even in the betrothal state. So today really is more about Joseph, whom we know, we think he must be a pretty good guy. 
because he didn't want to disgrace Mary, and he could have. Legally, he probably should have called the authorities, had her pay penalty, and yes, in extreme case, it could have even been stoning because she would have been considered an adulteress in that relationship and broken and violated the covenant, the contract of their marriage. Joseph had every right. My only guess is a little homework magic. He must have loved her. Loved her enough that he didn't want to embarrass her and wanted just, just to part ways and just, I see what's happened. I'm heartbroken. You go, I'll go. But then the angel comes, says, hey, I know this is weird, Joseph. I know this is hard to believe. But what she said is right. Something new is going to happen here, and it's from God via the Holy Spirit. And Joseph wakes up. It's a dream. It's not a vision. It's not him going about his daily life and an angel comes and speaks to him. It's in a dream. Would you have thought if you had a dream about an angel speaking to you, you would have gotten up and thought, did did that really happen? Or like Ebenezer Scrooge in the first ghost of Christmas past, he woke up and said, "Mm, must have been a bit of undigested beef. That's what that was. And write it off. But Joseph knew something had happened, something powerful that the Lord spoke to him through Gabriel. And he believed what he heard and saw in his dream. It says, you will name him Jesus, as Vicky said. So kind of two things happen here that are important. He takes her right afterwards, it says he took her as his wife, meaning he sealed that relationship, that covenant and then with, with Mary, and then number two, and named him Jesus. And in naming, it would have served as an adoption. When they named children, they named them as a part of their family. We heard some of that the children's moment. It would have served that he is accepting Jesus and welcoming him in as his own in his family, an adoption of Jesus into Joseph as his father. So what's going on here that we have to understand is that something new is coming into the world. Think about the Gospel of Matthew, the first one in the New Testament, bridging the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. God hadn't been heard or seen from several hundred years, and the first to come chronologically now is Matthew. And the very first thing that happens in the first chapter of Matthew are the genealogies. I invite you to go home and read that aloud in front of people. That will be a fun event. 14 generations, 14 generations, and then 14 generations finally linking Jesus to Adam, Abraham through that lineage to establish Jesus to Matthew's Jewish audience, giving him credibility that he is indeed the Messiah. And Matthew lays it out. And then the very next verse 
That genealogy ends in 17, and here we start in 18. It's as if God is now doing something brand new for the people that God hasn't done before. If we look at our Job passage, and in our Advent in Plain Sight devotional by Jill Duffield, this week the symbol is trees, trees. All the devotions are based on trees. 14.7 from Job, we, we know Job, right? Had everything, it was all taken away. And he had to deal with the ramifications of God and the devil messing with him and his life and took away everything that he loved and he was. And that struggle. In verse 14 that Aaron read to you this morning, 14.7, for there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again and that its shoots will not cease. Jill Duffield in Tuesday's Devotion talks about coppicing, coppicing. Say it with me, coppicing, C-O-P-P-I-C-I-N-G. It's a traditional method of woodland management which exploits the capacity of many species of trees to put out new shoots from their stump or roots if the tree is cut down. That's a lot. So in other words, when a tree is cut down, it looks dead but it's not. What you cannot see is what's going on under the surface. The root structure, new sprouts are sprouting, coppicing. And then she saw it in the sense of uh, making wood bowls from these stumps that are made. She says the felled tree that brings forth new shoots remind us not to give in to hopelessness because it may be that not only trees experience coppicing, but we do as well. Why is Jesus coming? Why do we care that Jesus is being born? Nice story, some miraculous pieces. We are excited because number one, we need a savior and we have to remind ourselves of that. We who live pretty well, who are fairly comfortable, who generally have places to eat and sleep, people around to hold and love us. Sometimes it can be hard for us as we can become complacent to say, do I really need a savior? Life's not that bad without God or without Christ. I'm, I'm doing okay. We check those boxes and you say, you know what? I'm I'm okay, as is, I'll roll the dice somewhere down the line. As I get closer to death, then I'll study for the exam at that time and hope I pass. What we have to remember that life is more than checking our basic needs boxes. God did not create us and we need to ask ourselves, why was I created? What did God have in mind when God created me? What is my life work and contribution? And yes, uh, vocations, relationships, family, 
All, all of those things, absolutely. But, it, but is that it? Or did God mean more for you, for me, for us? Those are questions of faith. If God had a bigger idea for us than just getting our basics covered and getting by, why, why would God do that? Isn't there more? God sent Christ because we have separated ourselves from God. We talked about that in the confession time. And Christ is the bringer of light and hope, just like Job's tree. Even though sometimes our life can look dead, sometimes you look at a tree and it looks like it's doing fine, but you look closer and it may be hollow on the inside. The spiritual life of those in that time and in Jesus's time was like a dead tree. It had been felled, cut. And yet when Christ came, something new was happening. And our call today in the fourth week of Advent, it's next week, is this week to look at our lives and see what are dead pieces of our life that we would like to have renewal, regrowth, rebirth. This is what Christ brings us and this is why we celebrate. But we also have to do the hard work of looking at our lives and saying, where is it that I need to be closer to Christ, closer to others? And we realize that while there are always parts of our lives and ourselves that we celebrate and rejoice, there are always parts of our lives that are sad or tragic or broken. That's just how it works. But the joy is that God doesn't say, I'm letting them to their own devices. They deserve what they get. God sent Christ. That's why we celebrate. We celebrate the birth. And yes, on a level, it was amazing and miraculous. Angel, shepherd, star, magi. But the reason Christ came in was for all of us in this life and the next. And we can best prepare to celebrate next week when we look at those dead places to know that dead is not gone in God's world. God is a God who brings dead things to life. And you may not look at your life and think there are dead pieces, but of course there are. Maybe something you need to go back and work on. Maybe something that keeps you from God. Often those addictions in our life are us trying to self-soothe in the place of letting God into our hearts and lives and transform us. But instead of trusting God, we take matters into our own hands, whether that's chemical, abuse, gambling, so on and so on. We try to fill that void of relationship by self-soothing and things that continue to separate us from the one thing that would bring us hope. And that is the Christ child. So today in week four, friends, I just challenge you to celebrate that God is doing a new thing through Mary and through Joseph that hadn't been seen yet 
in God's created world. Let it serve this week, not only that we remember the birthday of Jesus, but rather we need to look at those dead places and know that God does not leave us, that Christ sent us to have new life, to be renewed. New shoots are coming as we speak, but we need to look for them. We need to be in touch with them. Christ child is coming and that's why we celebrate. Let's work this week so next week we can fully embrace the new life that is coming in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.